0: South Florida has one of the largest college student populations in the country. The rising cost of a college degree and student debt have become central issues in the 2020 election. No fewer than nine of the Democrats running for president have policy positions on college student debt. Today on the Sunshine Economy, hear from three leaders of different schools in South Florida on the cost of higher education. If you're a full-time
1: student, about $2,400 a year.
2: Roughly $3,400
3: a semester. All in, it's about $50,000. I'm Tom Hudson.
0: Also on this episode, another personal story of money and the price of life in South Florida. I'm paying almost the same amount of money for health insurance, if not more, as I am for my mortgage and my homeowners association fees here it's all ahead on the sunshine economy after the news welcome to the sunshine economy on wlrn i'm tom hudson thanks for listening one and a half trillion dollars how can you even comprehend that much money It's four years' worth of economic activity in South Florida. It's about the same amount of U.S. currency in circulation around the world. It's the amount of student loan debt in the United States, $1.5 trillion. 11 cents of every borrowed dollar by Americans has been borrowed to pay for college costs. It's more than any other kind of debt except for the money that we borrow to buy homes. It's the largest share of debt Americans are having a tough time paying off. Payments on 11 percent of student loans are more than three months late, according to the latest data from the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. And the delinquency rate may actually be understated because student loan payments can be deferred for up to six months after leaving school. College can be expensive and college costs widely vary.
1: If you're a full-time student, about 2400 a year.
0: Roughly $3,400 a semester. All in, it's about $50,000. That's just the range across three schools here in South Florida. Broward College, Florida International University, and the University of Miami. They highlight the spectrum of higher education here, a region with one of the largest college student populations among American metropolitan areas. More than 350,000 people are enrolled in at least one college-level course here in South Florida, making it one of the largest concentrations of college students in the nation. Today on The Sunshine Economy, you'll hear from the leaders of those three institutions of higher learning about the growing political debate over tackling this $1.5 trillion issue of student loan debt the public perception of higher education, and the cost of college. FIU President Mark Rosenberg describes the environment for college costs this way. Pretty much out of
2: control. I mean, I agree with the, uh, with the assessment that we've got to do a lot better at, at, at containing tuition costs.
0: FIU's tuition, like Broward College and other state colleges and universities, is limited by state regulations, but the costs to attract top professors and other operational costs are not
2: the major drivers of cost tend to be faculty salaries of course staff salaries presidential salaries those are major major drivers
3: a number of uh, complex service industries do not realize economies of scale like you know mass production Uh, factories. It just doesn't happen like that. You, You cannot hire a fraction of a professor.
0: That's University of Miami President Julio Frank. UM is a private university with more control over what it charges students, but it doesn't make the school immune from regulations. And Frank points to those rules as another driver of college costs.
3: We live, and rightly so, in a highly regulated environment. And, and, you know, uh, that those regulatory constraints, many of which I totally endorse, you know, Title IX considerations, compliance considerations, do require um, personnel, experts who are not directly in the teaching or research part of our mission, but are enabling that. And that adds to costs.
0: He also acknowledges expensive, cutting-edge research drives up costs. But he sees competitive value in those
3: expenses. Our students want to come to a university where the textbooks are being written, not just read. And and that costs money.
1: College expenses are very dynamic. Uh, In many ways, it depends on the institution that you're working with. That's Gregory Hale. He's president of Broward College. It depends on the level of education that you're seeking, whether it's certificate program, associate's degree program, baccalaureate, master's, or professional degree program as well. So there are obviously varying cost structures depending on where you are in the higher education structure. And
0: that helps explain the wide price differences between these three schools that sit within 30 miles of each other. Combined, their student bodies account for one out of every three people enrolled in college courses in South Florida. Julio Frank presides over the smallest of the three institutions by student body size and the most expensive,
3: UM. We are very concerned with access. Um, We are concerned with excellence, but excellence without access, uh, actually what it does is it deepens social inequality because it 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 limits the the opportunities for those who, who don't have access.
0: Almost three-quarters of first-time freshmen don't pay the sticker price at the University of Miami. Instead, they receive a mix of scholarships and loans. Now, this is lower than average at private colleges and universities across the nation. In the last school year, almost 90 percent of freshmen received financial aid from their schools, according to the National Association of College and University Business
3: Officers. A lot of our students who have financial need are extremely meritorious. The implication that if you get need-based aid, it's because you don't have the merits, I think, is, is false. Because what we know, and this is, I think, a tragedy, is the amount of meritorious students who, because of lack of information, do not even apply.
0: About the same proportion of students at Broward College get financial help to pay for tuition, too, 75%. The school collects tens of millions of dollars of federal money granted to students to pay their tuition. Gregory Hale is the Broward
1: College president. We have very few of our graduates who take who have debt upon graduation. I think the last time we looked at this, about five percent of our students had debt upon graduation. Um, that's something we're obviously incredibly proud of because we want to make sure that when our students do graduate, they're not laden with debt that uh, compromises their ability to start a family or buy a home or buy a car or whatever it may be to satisfy the needs that they have. FIU also collects tens of millions of dollars a year from students
0: receiving federal Pell grants. 23,000 FIU students receive the money, 180 million dollars a year in tuition grants for the university. Mark Rosenberg is the president.
2: Between FIU and Miami-Dade College you're looking on the order of probably three to 400 million annually federal transfer payments to underwrite the cost of a college education. Pell grants are critical uh, for our community.
0: The importance of Pell Grants underscores the financial need most students have to afford school. The grant money generally does not have to be paid back and is awarded on need based on the cost of the tuition and how much of the tab a student or their family can pick up. But it's not just tuition that makes up the cost of college. The cost of
2: textbooks could go anywhere from uh, 500 to to $1,000 a semester. Uh, you have incredible costs at, related to if they're online, uh, do they have a cell phone? Do they have to have a working computer? The answer is all three. Uh, that's, a, that's a big cost burden. And then uh, if the community, if they do not live on campus, is there reasonable low cost public transportation to the campus on a daily or three times a week uh, basis? So in effect, it is very expensive to uh, get a college education on one hand, even at a place like FIU, and then you have to consider the income that's foregone because of the time students are spending in class.
0: It all adds up, and if tuition is more than the grant money, which maxes out at almost $6,200 this year, then the difference will have to come from other sources, like a student loan.
3: It is
1: absurd to have so many of our people struggling with oppressive levels of student debt. We have got to cancel student debt in
0: America. We forgive 100 percent of your student loan debt if you're willing to dedicate your life to public service. We can
2: make all of these investments, plus we can cancel student loan debt for 95 percent of the people who have student loan debt
1: proponent of debt-free college. I believe we also need to have loan forgiveness for middle class and working students. I also believe that we have got to take seriously the ability of our students to refinance their student loan debt.
0: Kamala Harris, Elizabeth Warren, Beto O'Rourke, and Bernie Sanders there in reverse order just among the Democratic presidential candidates making college loans part of their campaigns. Some go as far as erasing current student loans. Others simply acknowledge the issue and pledge to address it. Specifics of any plan vary across the candidates. Businessman Andrew Yang's promise is to ask schools to reduce or eliminate the debt of students who don't graduate, explore what he calls a blanket partial reduction in the loan principal, and change bankruptcy laws, allowing student debts to be erased. Former Housing and Urban Development Secretary Julian Castro wants to delay student loan payments until the borrower earns a certain amount of income. He also wants to get rid of tuition at public colleges and universities and have state and federal governments share in the cost. Cory Booker isn't as aggressive. His platform calls for free tuition at public community and vocational colleges. Former Vice President Joe Biden has not released any specific plan other than helping teachers pay off their student loans.
3: It has been politicized, but I would not use that argument to dismiss or minimize.
0: That's U.M. President Julio Frank again.
3: It is a serious challenge and we need to, to tackle it head on.
2: There isn't anything about higher education that isn't politicized.
0: Mark Rosenberg is the president at FIU. Education is a, an anvil
2: around which uh, social forces tend to, to circle and to, to
0: hammer at. Still to come, as our program on college costs continues here on the Sunshine Economy, the boss at the largest state university in South Florida, FIU, hopes to tackle college costs by meeting the skills demand by employers. We're
2: spending an awful lot of time trying to be better at linking what we do to the marketplace.
0: We're back on the Sunshine Economy on WLRN. I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks again for listening and supporting Public Radio. Today we're talking about the cost of college. We spoke with three leaders of colleges and universities here in South Florida about the price of higher education. It's an issue in the 2020 presidential race. Later on in the program, we'll have another personal story of money and the price of life in South Florida. I don't know that I ever felt prosperous living in Miami, but I never felt that I wasn't succeeding. Christine Kerber has gone back to college after a career as a choreographer and dancer working with the cruise ship industry. If you want to share your story of how money, circumstances, and choices have influenced you, your life, and decisions here in South Florida, email us at sunshine Economy at wlrnnews.org. That's sunshine Economy at wlrnnews.org. Mark Rosenberg has led FIU since 2009. Since becoming president, FIU's enrollment has increased 36 percent and a larger proportion are full-time students compared to a decade ago. We spoke with Rosenberg in his office on campus at FIU.
2: Unlike in many parts of the country where if students work, they organize their work around their studies, here in South Florida, our experience is that our students organize their studies around their work, uh, in part because uh, of the low household income in part because the, uh, stu- the student is, the families just expect uh, members of their family to work to help cover costs. And part of that is because we have a very high percentage of first generation students who are, they do not have other family members who have a college experience.
0: How does that affect the college experience when that relationship with the college classroom? versus one's income-producing time is flipped, as you describe it here in South Florida.
2: So I think our students value and appreciate more of their education because they don't take it for granted.
0: The framing of the issue here in 2019 and the 2020 election cycle, some have framed the issue within social justice or economic uh, equality. Others have framed it as an economic development issue. You're leading a large public institution here. You're dealing with these costs. Real. How do you frame this issue around college costs? How do you see it?
2: Well, uh, I want to keep college costs as low as possible. That's first of all. And uh, second of all, I do believe that there is a social justice component to education. We live in a free society. We live in a democracy. We understand that that uh, one of the, the great equalizers is education. We're spending an awful lot of time trying to be better at linking what we do to the marketplace and nationally there's a conversation about the so-called mismatch that we're skills mismatch skills mismatch it we're turning out a lot of students who don't have the right skills for the marketplace and that's why there's six to seven million jobs that are av- available I have a slightly different approach to that challenge I think that challenge is a shared responsibility in that yes in- between whom well between institutions of higher education and employers And the market meaning that um, the marketplace really can't expect that we are going to turn out uh, talent that matches the specificities of the of the very complicated occupational spectrum that exists what we can do is turn out very talented well-prepared individuals who then if companies are willing through internships through apprenticeships to give on-the-job training, we have a very, very potent, powerful, responsive package. At one level, a great general education, preparing students for the world of work, and at the operational, practical level, students who have a lot of hands-on experience with employers.
0: Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren have made uh, the cost of college a pillar of their platforms for their Democratic uh, uh, ambitions to be the that party's candidate for president. Uh, most of the Democratic uh, primary candidates have some kind of plan calling for at least two years of uh, free or low-cost mm-hmm. college education. As a leader of a public institution, has that kind of concentration at that level uh, begun to influence uh, any strategy or tactics that, that you have taken?
2: Yeah, I, um, our, I mean, those, those arguments are, are uh, timely. I don't, I, I don't see them working as, as operational public policy options uh, in part because I think that that kind of reform is very, very difficult uh, to, to bring about. But the kind of reform that I'm interested in that comes out of that is we need to be far more learner-centric uh, rather than student-centric. Uh, What's the difference? The difference is that, a, that an individual may, uh, may not want to get another degree, but they're going to need to learn lifelong because of the explosion in tech, because of the exponentiality of tech. And so we need to find more and better ways to be agile in the marketplace to provide learnings. Just-in-time learnings, weekend learnings, certificate learnings, badge learnings that are segmented, not along that very cumbersome, bureaucratic, multi-year degree program, but around, if you will, stackable credentials, badges, so that people can learn as they earn. That's very, very
0: important as a
2: modality moving forward.
0: And Learned Senate also would change, frankly, the financialization of higher education because the program to fund publicly through grants or prepaid programs or uh, 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 529 plans or uh, other kinds of savings vehicles that have been set up are set up for the traditional two, four-year undergraduate program, graduate program.
2: Exactly. there. It's, it's really set up looking in a rear view mirror, and I think we gotta do a much better job of looking forward, be forward facing.
0: Under this strategy though, this broad horizon that you're looking at, this learner-centered uh, higher education, not student-centered, how does the revenue change? How do the, the revenue vehicles change in order to support that?
2: The revenue, uh, the revenue drivers will be far more diverse They'll be far more um, responsive to market forces. They will be far more uh, predicated upon where the market is going as opposed to where it's been. If you think about a lot of our degree programs, they were fashioned around a, an industrial mindset, uh, an agricultural mindset, a large organization mindset, where in fact innovation, entrepreneurship, Um, individual uh, innovation can do that's where things are going
0: I've talked about this I've asked questions about this in relation to how the Democratic uh, presidential candidates are talking about college costs it is not solely a Democratic issue it's a Republican issue as well you know this in the state of Florida particularly with your work with the uh, the uh, state university system Um, Governor Scott essentially froze tuition increases for public universities for a good number of years. Uh, He uh, brought down the entry price for prepaid uh, plans for parents and others. Uh, He expanded the Bright Future Scholarship Program and uh, expanded in-state tuition for undocumented students. So it is not just a Democratic issue and certainly not the case here in Florida.
2: Right. Well, we're really pleased with the approach to undocumented students that the state of Florida is taking—it's a far more humane, humanitarian approach. It's a far more responsible approach than a lot of states. Um, the freezing of tuition—it's still we still have a freeze on uh, the revamping of prepaid. Um, you know, all of these things are intended to help the student, the individual consumer. Uh, be more successful uh, in the marketplace, and, and we understand that.
0: So the reason I ask the question is so much of the college cost uh, debate can be politicized for reasons that we yes. spoke about here, certainly, yeah. but it is not a partisan issue necessarily in terms of of uh, types of strategies to address it. Right. Well, I mean, you know, in
2: the final analysis, you, for those states that are frontline states like ours in Florida, where we're getting 1,000 new people a day, where we're uh, continuing to grow, there needs to be a proactive approach to education, whether one's a Democrat or a Republican. And I would say across time that you've seen significant improvements in education in the state of Florida under uh, Republican governments uh, as well as under Democratic governments, in part, because without... The education. We're not going to have the economic development. Without the economic development, we won't have the, the well-being to survive and thrive. And I think our political leadership generally has been very obsessed on that issue of how can Florida continue to progress.
0: That's Florida International University President Mark Rosenberg. Now, still to come, as our conversations continue, rising costs and a cap on tuition hikes
1: have Broward College looking for new places to raise revenue. The traditional model... Uh, is not one that is sufficient uh, to provide the needs that we have for our students.
0: We're back on the Sunshine Economy. I'm Tom Hudson. Today, we're talking about college costs. Student loans are the biggest source of debt for Americans that's not related to property. The total amount of mortgage debt in the country is much larger than student loan debt, but there is more money owed on student loans than car loans, for instance, according to the Federal Reserve. Borrowing for college is a bet on potential. It's a wager on future wages that the education will lead to a
1: good-paying job. Gregory Hale is the president of Broward College that you have to look at what the return on that investment is. And so as we look at the return on an investment at Broward College where you're spending $100 to $117 per credit, yet you're graduating with a degree... Bachelor of Science, for example, you're making fifty plus thousand dollars a year, um, which is an extraordinary return on investment, and I think it's important to couple those two.
0: Interesting, you said Bachelor of Science, yes. uh, not a, a Bachelor uh, of Arts degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a specific uh, difference.
1: Yes. Why make that uh, difference? Well, so it is an important uh, distinction because Broward College. Uh, is designed to do primarily two things. That's ensure that we have workforce degrees and workforce programming so that when students come to us, they know that there's a pipeline to not just employment, but employment with a living wage beyond that. And that's when students are moving forward with their either A.S. degree or Bachelor of Science. In fact, we do not offer bachelor of Arts degrees of any kind, and nor do any other state colleges in the state of Florida. We do, of course, have A.A. degrees, and those degrees are designed for students who are going to transfer to university. Associates of Arts degree. That's correct. Yeah. And associate of Arts degrees designed for students who want to transfer to university.
0: How much price elasticity do you believe there is in the cost of tuition at Broward College? And also the elasticity of that return on investment, uh, meaning that folks coming out of Broward College going to work in South Florida are likely to face lower than median wages
1: in South Florida than the rest of the United States. Yeah, We're in, obviously, a a tremendous economic climate right now. Uh, In Broward County, the unemployment rate is about 3.3%. And so we're watching a market that allows for students so long as they have... Uh, a credential that is uh, that the market is looking for, they have a lot of opportunity. Um, we know that there are credentials out there. And I say credentials, let's just start with a certification. There are certifications out there that would take less than one year to attain that could leverage someone a $50,000 a year uh, return on that investment in terms of salary, which I think is extraordinary. And, and, uh, and obviously, those are the kinds of programs that we are really guided by and ensuring that there's opportunity for. Now, on the price elasticity, we don't have the ability to raise tuition, or I should say that that ability is very, very limited. Uh, Florida statute has a cap on our ability to raise a, to raise tuition. Uh, there are certain ranges that you can't go beyond. I think the cap is right about where we are. We may be a few cents shy of that. Uh, that cap has been in place for approximately 10 years. Good so number. Governor Scott put that in place uh, many, many years ago. Has that been limiting
0: for you? Uh, in terms of uh, uh, being able to generate the revenue to support your
1: cost structures don't have a cap on them. Yeah, that's exactly right. Well, look, it's always a challenge. And if you can imagine any industry where you know that the sales price is capped, you can imagine there's going to be some barriers that come with it. But obviously, one of the things that we're very focused on is keeping tuition low for our students, particularly because the students that we serve often think about price as a barrier, regardless of whether it is or not. Oftentimes, if you've never talked to anyone who's going to college or you're going to be a first-generation college student, frankly, like I was, and all you hear about is the $1.6 trillion in crippling debt, you may assume that you don't have the capacity or the ability to pay. Generally speaking, you'll see revenue come from two places. You'll see them coming from the state of Florida for an institution like ours, or you'll see them coming from tuition revenue. The Tuition been,
0: revenue includes the Pell
1: Grant money. That's correct. Yeah. And so obviously, uh, there's a cap on tuition, as I've described. And, and most people know that there's been at least a per capita decline in the terms of the funding per student that we see at the state college level, notwithstanding that, we have a mission to accomplish, right? We need to make sure that we are providing opportunity for individuals to meet the workforce needs and change their lives. And so that means identifying new, perhaps more creative ways uh, to generate revenue to support our students from a scholarship perspective as well as from a programming perspective. And what are some of those? As you're
0: rethinking from a commercial business perspective, Mm -hmm. your, your revenue streams, what are those new revenue streams?
1: Well, one of them that we've really been focusing on is looking at uh, public-private partnerships uh, as an opportunity to diversify our revenue streams. And that could look uh, a multitude of ways. Uh, We've had uh, two very, very successful projects, uh, one uh, off of I-75 in Miramar Parkway, where we essentially uh, had a piece of land. We were able to leverage the land so the developer would come in and build a 90,000-square-foot building. And then we are now in providing programming in 45,000 square feet of that building, while we have a partner in the form of FIU who's also providing programming in the other 45,000 square feet. And because of essentially a sublease arrangement, Broward College isn't paying at all for that building. So here you have a facility that was developed that is at capacity providing programming, getting students from Broward College to FIU without any harm to the taxpayer. Um, These are the kinds of opportunities that we're looking for. Uh, Another great project that's actually in the midst of completion is one on Las Olas Boulevard. Uh, We had and continue to have land on Las Olas with Las Olas frontage. And so what we decided to do was we put that land on the market for development And uh, as we speak, there is a 20-plus-story facility uh, being developed by the Siles Corporation. That'll be commercialized, and we're actually going to yield land lease revenue as well as some back-end profit sharing. Now, again... That is not a traditional revenue source that institutions look at. But you think about the bind that we're in between the cap on tuition revenue as well as the declines in state revenue per capita, and you have to come up with creative solutions to do this. And and it's been, frankly, fantastic to see how partners have come forward to collaborate with us, knowing that this is for the greater good of uh, service to our students and inevitably our community. Can you share with us the kind of revenue projections you expect Either sure. of
0: those deals to uh to mean for yeah. Broward College? Oh
1: yeah, so it's actually uh, quite exciting. So on the downtown Lease Revenue, we know we're gonna generate about two million dollars a year and those and those are gonna go to support our students and our programming. It's not nearly enough to satisfy the challenges that we have uh as an institution. We have about a hundred million dollars, a hundred plus million dollars in deferred maintenance. Uh we are routinely Broward College that is routinely ranked number one on the list when it comes to state colleges with uh, instructional space needs. And so what I've described to you is really uh, the beginning, I hope, of an attempt for us to offset some of the losses and the financial concerns that we have. But it can only be the beginning. uh, And as we think about other partners, whether it be um, municipalities, including cities and counties, um, the private sector, it becomes a far more enterprising uh, system than it has been. And that means making sure that uh, the entire community is not only aware of who we are and what we're able to provide, but also recognize the need that we have for resources beyond those that we would consider traditional.
0: The innovation that you speak about in terms of revenue generation, is that an indication that the traditional
1: model is broken or is breaking? Well, I, I don't know if I want to go as far as it is breaking. Um, obviously, the traditional model uh, is not one that is sufficient uh, to provide the needs that we have for our students. So, And, and the world changes. Uh, right now, we know that 65% of all jobs require some form of post-secondary education. That clearly wasn't the case a generation ago. And so the question becomes, how do we get better at meeting the needs of today? We can't meet the needs of yesterday. We have to meet the needs of today. And so that does mean, oftentimes, a, diverse, a far more diversified financial portfolio for an institution, and that's okay. Um, you know, we exist to be nimble. We we know what our mission is, and we're driven by that mission. And so that often requires us to be more creative because the circumstances have changed. And that evolution, I think, is not new to this generation. It's you know, this is a, this is it is our job to be responsive to the needs of our business community and uh, in the Broward County community. Broward
0: College President Gregory Hale. Now, still to come, how the leader at UM sees the drop in public confidence in higher education.
3: We need to make sure that higher education preserves its fundamental role as the most legitimate avenue for upward social mobility.
0: Welcome back to the Sunshine Economy on WLRN. I'm Tom Hudson. We're talking about college costs on today's program, featuring conversations with three leaders of higher education institutions here in South Florida. A little bit later, a story of money and the price of life in our region.
1: I'm wondering if I really want to stay in a city that is going to be economically
0: more challenging to live in as I grow older. And how much time do I want to spend working? We will hear Christine Kerber's story of how money, circumstances, and choices have influenced her life and decisions. You can share your story if you'd like. Email us at sunshine economy at wlrnnews.org. That's sunshine Economy at org. While Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren are touting plans to make college free in their effort to win the Democratic presidential nomination, some schools are moving to eliminate tuition. There are programs like Florida's Bright Futures Scholarship that can pick up 100% of tuition at an eligible college in Florida. The scholarships are merit-based. Some private schools are cutting their tuition prices. Small private colleges in California, Kentucky, New York, and Iowa are among those dropping their sticker prices. Few students at the University of Miami pay the $50,000-a-year sticker price, only about one in four first-time freshmen do. The rest get some combination of financial aid through scholarships and grants. That price, by the way, is just tuition, $50,000. Last fall, the average discount rate was 34% off that price. When Julio Frank became president at UM, he set as a goal to increase the school's endowment by 50%, up to $1.5 billion, by the time the school celebrates its 100th birthday in 2025. Frank wants to use the money to attract top academic talent and to expand scholarships. We spoke with the UM president in his office in Coral Gables.
3: The amount of money your family has should not be the factor that determines whether you have the opportunity. Of a, of a college education or a graduate education in a world-class institution like the University of Miami. And that's almost, I, I would say, an ethical position of the university. It's part of our core values. But I think it's also very important at a time when inequalities are growing. And when that is a major f- f- uh, factor in the, in the um, weakening of the social fabric, both in the United States and and around the world more broadly. We need to make sure that higher education preserves its fundamental role as the most legitimate avenue for upward social mobility. It's a role it's played historically, and that role is at risk if we do not assure access independent of financial means. And, And so that role of being the most legitimate vehicle for upward social mobility has to be the core of what higher education is all about.
0: That brings up a, a question in regards to how the public is viewing higher education and the effect on the broader society. There was a Pew Research Center survey out recently that you may be familiar with that found the share of Americans thinking universities are having a negative effect on the country increased from 26% in 2012 to 38%. And the increase was attributed to Republicans or independents leaning Republican. Why do you think the university's effect has been viewed uh, by this segment of the population as a growing negative effect on society?
3: My impression is that universities are sort of being categorized as as elitist, and and that probably some of those negative perceptions are driven by that. And this is why this question of access is so important. Uh, you know, we, we have a very diversified higher education system in the United States. That's a strength. There should be an opportunity, and not all of it, by the way, has to be four-year colleges. There's a very important place for vocational training. There's a very important place for community, two-year community colleges. Those are all valuable and legitimate uh, opportunities for people. But we also also have in this country the best in the world, the best selective universities. And the uh, idea of being selective should not be confused with being elitist. You can be an elite institution in the sense that you're the top but not be elitist and 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 the way to not be elitist is exactly to remove considerations of class race financial situation from the equation of what determines access to those elite universities elite it's the same root as the word to elect it's those that are selected by people but it's a big, there's a big difference between being an elite institution and being an elitist institution. Elitist means that you exclude people who not, don't, don't already belong to that. And that's, that, I think, is, is a key part of that, of that uh, perception.
0: Is the business model of the private university broken somehow? In other words, the reliance on student tuition as revenue uh, does that need to evolve? Is it evolving? And if so, into what? What does that look like uh, for a university, for a community, and, and for its
3: stakeholders? I'm glad, I'm glad you asked that because I think uh, this is a, a widely misunderstood fact. The United States is the only industrialized country where universities, public or private, do not receive an unrestricted subsidy from the national government. In, in, in the case of the United States, that would be the federal government. Every other industrialized country receives such a subsidy, typically on a per-student basis or some formula. In the United States, state universities do that. Public universities do that from the state government. But we are not a public university. We're a private university. And every penny we get from the federal government is earmarked through very competitive processes a big part of that are research grants which are earmarked for that and then financial aid like pell grants which are also earmarked to a particular student we need to make up the difference with what our peers in the rest of the industrial world receive from national government which are unrestricted subsidies which we don't get through philanthropy that's why universities have to raise, especially private universities, but also increasingly public universities because state funding has gone down, even as costs have gone up. So philanthropy is a key part of the business model. And again, it is philanthropy to be able to fulfill our mission. It's not philanthropy to just become richer. In the end, governments don't have money. All money comes from households and firms. So in the other developed countries, it's the same households and firms, except they pay taxes, and somebody who did not earn that money allocates that money to a university. In the United States, we go to the same households and firms, but now we don't have the coercive taxing powers of the state. We have to persuade those people to voluntarily, not compulsory, part with their money and provide it to the university.
0: Isn't one of those customers of that proposition also the the payer of the tuition, not just the philanthropists that you're looking to generate those funds from, but also those folks that are providing the cash flow each and every month by paying the tuition bill.
3: Uh, Absolutely. And this is why I don't like the free college proposals. First of all, they're incredibly regressive from an income distribution point of view, because you end up subsidizing a lot of upper middle class families that could actually afford college But the other thing is it reduces that discipline. We need to to make our case. We need to offer a value proposition. Universities are one of the best value propositions for society. Just think about it. Every single discovery that has improved the length and quality of life and that has improved productivity and wealth since World War II has started with basic research and the vast majority of that basic research has been carried out in a university, but you name it—any you know, drugs that are curing complex diseases, uh, the transistors that, the microprocessors—they all started the internet started in universities. That was
0: University of Miami President Julio Frank. Now still to come, our new weekly segment, a personal portrait of money and the price of life in South Florida.
1: I'm paying almost the same amount of money for health
0: insurance, if not more, as I am for my mortgage and my homeowners association fees here. That's still to come as the Sunshine Economy continues.